0: Welcome to the Satellite Podcast. I'm your host, David Thay, here to have a conversation with you today about worship. So I'm currently doing a devotional study in a book called Worship, Believers Experiencing God. It's by Henry Blackaby and Ron Owens. And if the name Henry Blackaby sounds familiar, it's because he's the author of the Experiencing God study. And it's been around for a long time, in part because the study is absolutely fantastic. It is... The single best devotional study I've ever done, and if you're interested in doing it All I would tell you is when you buy it off Amazon Make sure to get the workbook and not the book book because the workbook has Interactive questions, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Anyways, having done that study I was looking for a new devotional book even though I for many years hated them I'm in that state of life where they make my Bible study time way more focused So I bought this one and the book itself is fine It's actually got a lot of material that I don't necessarily agree with but <laughs> All that is to say I got to the point in my devotional book recently where I read a statement that really, really, really struck me, and it was this. Worship is an attitude before it becomes an act. I'll say that again. Worship is an attitude before it becomes an act. So we're going to circle back around to that statement, but one of the things that this entire study has made me question is do I really understand what worship is? What's interesting is that I had a chance to speak to the middle school FCA in the cluster where I teach today and I decided to share with them what I've been learning about worship and I started up by asking them the question what is worship? And as you can guess the most common answer that I got is singing. And I think for a lot of people that grew up in the era of church that I did we equate singing with worship. That's just what we think of. And Maybe even if you didn't grow up in the same era of church, but if you've ever been to church, that's just what you think of as singing as worship. And that was the most common answer I got from both the adults and the kids when I asked this question. So I decided to do some work on the Google, because, you know, the internet's never wrong. And I kind of pieced together two or three definitions and came up with this formal definition of worship. An expression of adoration or reverence, usually towards a deity. So there are several things in there, but in... Using the words adoration and reverence, it indicates that worship is a natural overflow of what's in your heart towards God or whatever the object of your worship is. And the realization I had is that if that's true, then maybe I find it difficult to worship because my heart isn't full of love, gratitude, and thankfulness towards God. And I have to go no further than a typical Sunday morning around my house where after you get mad at your spouse for not being dressed on time or they get mad at you for not being dressed on time. You fight with the kids to get them in the car. One of your kids pisses you off in the car on the way to church. You can't find a parking spot and or you're late to the first, to the service and miss the first song. At that point, your mind is full of so many other things and distractions, your heart's full of so many other emotions that a lot of times that a lot of times you don't begin to worship for several minutes because you have to get all the other crap out of your heart. So that it can be filled with your love and adoration towards God. And I know a lot of you parents out there listening to this are saying, amen. I was telling the FCA today, it's like on Sunday mornings, you literally have to sing the song by KB, not today, Satan, because you know that he attacks you with impatience, interruptions, distractions, and everything else so that your heart doesn't find that state that leads to really intimate worship. But that still didn't answer the question of what worship looks like. And so instead of trying to come up with my own examples, I think it's really cool to look back at Scripture and see what are some examples of people in Scripture that worshipped God in ways other than singing. And the example given in my devotional book is the story of Mary, which is one of the stories that's found in all four Gospels, which is not very common. But essentially when you put all four versions of the story together, because each one of the versions does share different details, it is Mary, the sister of Lazarus, who lived in Bethany, Jesus is coming back to Bethany after raising Lazarus from the dead. This happens the week before Jesus is going to go to the cross. So I think it's six days before Passover. And after just having seen Jesus raise her brother from the dead, Mary is determined to get close to Jesus and to be in his presence, which we've seen before when he visited them initially. We get details from, I forget which gospel, it might be Mark, that she was a woman of ill repute that had a lot of sin <laughs> and that she was known by people around that area as a sinner. And so she shows up with a bottle of extremely expensive perfume, is weeping at Jesus' feet to the point that she is soaking his feet with her tears and just goes ahead, takes her hair and decides to wash his feet. Because that was something that was customary to do for guests. And Jesus points out in one of the versions of the story that his feet had not been washed by his host. And Mary also pours this perfume over his head from her alabaster jar. A perfume that was worth apparently 300 denarii or about a year's wages. Or in our current money, roughly $25,000. And I love the way Blackaby and Owen describe this in the book. Mary had thought of what would be the most profound expression of her love, what would be the greatest sacrifice in light of what he was going to do for her, and she poured it over her Lord. Her heart would let her do nothing less. She had to act on what was inside. And that's exactly what you see here. Mary's heart was so full of love and adoration for Jesus, when she was in his presence, it burst forth out of her in multiple acts of worship, anointing him with perfume, kissing him, washing his feet. And all those things were her way of saying, Jesus, I love you and want to express it to you in any and every way possible. That is the essence of worship. What we can give to God to show our love, gratitude, thankfulness, hope in him. And another really good example, this is found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of David after a very, very long absence, being kidnapped by the Philistines, and he decides to get a full worship band with a bunch of different instruments to accompany the Ark back into the city. David himself is walking in front of the Ark, and it says, Dancing and leaping with all of his might before the Lord. Now, what's interesting here is where it says that David was in a linen ephod, indicating that the rest of his outfit had escaped his body in the midst of his dancing. So he danced his way back into the city in nothing but his (laughs) drawers. And for David, he was so overcome with thankfulness and excitement over God's presence, which was physically manifested on the Ark of the Covenant being back with the people, this sign of his covenant with Israel being back, that it exploded out of him in a fit of leaping and dancing with all of his might in his underwear in front of the entire nation. And he did so completely unashamed. And a lot of you are familiar with the song by David Crowder, Undignified, which covers this exact story. Josh Wright, if you're listening, this is a shout out for you. And David's response to someone who criticizes his dancing saying, I'll become even more undignified to this. Hold that thought, put a pin in it. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Now, one of the things that I didn't mention is that while David is on this journey back into Israel he sacrifices animals as part of the ritual of bringing this Ark back. So he actually commits an animal sacrifice. I believe he sacrifices two animals. Mary makes this sacrifice of this super expensive gift of perfume in addition to both of them sacrificing their dignity. And there was this absolutely awesome question from the devotional book, and it said, what is your rare bottle of perfume, and how could you offer it in love for your master? And man, if that question didn't just slap me in the face. Because the question is, what is God asking of me to sacrifice and worship? And or what does God demand of me to sacrifice and worship? And it's a question that I don't know that I fully have come up with an answer for to this point. It's something I'm still trying to figure out. But I think one of the things we need to be aware of is that no matter what God puts on your heart in terms of how you worship it may not please other believers. So going back to that story of Mary, Judas and apparently other people that are there at that dinner party immediately criticized her for breaking this expensive bottle of pure nard over Jesus' head because they understood the value. And Judas specifically is quoted as saying, this could have been sold in the money used for the poor. Now, theologically, I think we can all say that this is a fair statement because we know we always talk about giving being an act of worship. But what's interesting here is Jesus corrects it and says, this is about me. I am here right now in your presence, and she is trying to express her love and adoration for me. And this makes my mind spiral off in so many directions because I keep thinking, Mary had a physical Jesus to go express her love to she could go hug him she could go hold him she could kiss him she could actually give him a gift and here I am on the other side of the cross and I don't have Jesus here so anything I give isn't physical it's spiritual and so and so you have all this talk about spiritual sacrifices and living sacrifices and it's kind of like what does all that mean and I think I have the answer to that in part to me I think about a sacrifice to the Lord being spiritual simply because I am not physically killing an animal and I cannot physically go take my gift to Jesus like the wise men did, like Mary did in the story. I can't go hug him. I can't lay at his feet. I've actually thought about this on so many occasions. If Jesus was to walk into my house, what would I do? And I honestly think I would probably... Grab his legs like a little kid, hug him, and just lay there until he told me to get up. Probably also cry a lot. I have always had that picture in my head of like when I'm worshiping, just staying there at Jesus' feet as long as I could. With the understanding that, Jesus, as long as you are right here, it is all okay. And that's this picture I have in my head of what I would do if Jesus was ever here in person. But he's not. And so what does my spiritual act of worship look like? Isn't that a great question to ask? And we see in Romans where we're told to live as living sacrifices. And I've never really understood this passage from Romans 12, but something was pointed out to me in this devotional book in one of the studies from a few weeks ago. A sacrifice given in the Old Testament, like what David did, was dead. (laughs) It was literally an animal that was killed. Now... We don't kill animals, so we are supposed to act as a living sacrifice, literally a sacrifice that is alive, a sacrifice whose worth is not found in its death, but whose worth is actually found in its living. And so in our walk with God on this earth, we are supposed to do things in our life that are a pleasing, sacrificial aroma to God. And we are to do so with the realization that it may not always please other believers, and they may not understand what we're doing. Back to King David. He gets done with the procession and dancing and celebrating this wonderful moment in the history of Israel. And his wife, Michael, comes in and basically says, you undignified yourself in front of the most common people in our kingdom. And it was disgusting. To which David responds in that famous line, I'll become even more dignified than this. And what David was really saying there is, there is no limit on what I'm going to sacrifice to glorify my God. So I wanted to close with two questions. The first, what do you worship? I do believe that you are a worshiper of Jesus Christ if you're listening to this podcast. You probably wouldn't be interested in otherwise. But what other things are you worshiping? And the answer to this is simple. What do you think about What do you adore? What does your time, energy, and money go to? Sports, relationships, school, work, family, things that are all good, but none of them compare to knowing God. And that's the part that you see when Jesus is saying, hey, I know that you worship me through giving to the poor, that your obedience to my commands to take care of the widows and orphans glorifies me. But if you do that at the expense of adoring me, you are completely missing the point. So what good things in your life are you worshiping that are taking away from your worship of God? And the second question, how are you expressing your worship towards God? What are you doing? And going back to what I said from the beginning, any act of worship, singing, dancing, giving, flows from a heart that is expressing its affection for God. And that attitude is going to lead to acts. So examine your heart. If the actions of worship are not present in your life, this is a great time to step back and assess what you can do to grow your affection for God. And with that, I will close the prayer for you. Dear Lord, I pray that those listening would be challenged to assess their own heart and to see if their worship is being affected by a lack of affection for you. Lord, I pray that you would stir up in everybody listening a desire to grow their affection and a piercing in their spirit that leads them to whatever those acts are, whether it be singing, dancing, giving, or something else that is off the radar. I pray that you would place on the hearts of the people listening a clear picture of what their worship needs to look like moving forward. Amen. This is Dave Bethay from Satellite Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.